Uh, we sang that this, this morning, before that song, we sang that old hymn, uh, Come Thou Fount. Anybody remember that song from when you were younger? Yeah. Um, there's a line in that song uh, that says this, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I feel that quite often. That we are, as humans, we're just we're prone to wander away from God and, and pursue our own path, our own directions. Um, and and that, that song reminds us that we're, we're on solid ground when, we, when we're found in Christ. Aren't you so thankful for the God who pursues you even when you wander away from Him? I, I am. I'm so thankful that when I find myself on my own path that I'm not alone. And uh, I hope... Uh, I hope today, if, if you're in this, this place or if you're watching online, I hope you know that you're not alone, that uh, the God of the universe pursues you, and he's with you. Uh, my name's Matt. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's so good to gather with you on this Sunday morning. Isn't it beautiful outside? Isn't God good, like turning the weather this way for us? And now's the time that we can uh, post those uh, the brag tweets and uh, Facebook posts just to let the rest of the world know we live in paradise. <laughs> and we live on the edge of the mountains, which even makes it more beautiful. So, so good to be with you this, uh, this Sunday morning. Uh, we, we decided right before Thanksgiving, we wanted to talk about this interesting tension and dynamic um, between being and doing. Uh, this, this, this tension between um, becoming certain kinds of people as followers of Jesus, and doing certain things. And it's this interesting tension and dynamic because you can't just do certain things to become something, and you also can't just become something without doing certain things. You know what I mean? Like, um, I can dress like a professional basketball player, and I can say, I'm becoming a professional basketball player, but I must do some things about that. And you might look at me and say, Matt, you can never do enough <laughs> to become a professional basketball player, which is true, but let's just go with it for a minute. There's this tension, this dynamic between becoming certain things and doing certain things. And Christianity is no different in this tension, that as followers of Jesus, we believe that we're becoming certain kinds of people. Uh, if you're new today and you're just checking faith out and you're not sure what you believe about Jesus and you're not really sure what you believe about God, you maybe have heard certain things. And um, for, for Christians, for followers of Jesus, we don't believe that we've automatically become something, that we must do something to, to become what we're called to become. But we also believe that we have become something that we can't do anything to earn. Now, this might be confusing. <laughs> but there's this tension. <coughs> Becoming and doing. And we've been looking at some scripture that, that talks about this tension in very specific ways. Um, last week, we talked about generosity. And we talked about this idea that that God, the, the creator of the universe, is an extremely generous God. And we're not just talking about finances, although finances are a part of it, but, but God's a generous God. He's, he's generous with his grace, his love, his mercy. He is generous in all ways. And as followers of Jesus, 
we want to become generous as well. We, we want to be marked by that same kind of generosity in, in, in all ways. Financially, yes, but with grace, with love, and with mercy, that, that we want to overflow with these things just like God does. I mean, the beginning of the Bible begins with this beautiful picture of God creating everything that we see, this world, and he gives it to humanity. He says, this is yours. Enjoy. Take care of this. And it, the, the, the central story in Scripture is the story of Jesus, where, where the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Like this, this is a giving God. It's a generous God, and we want to become generous as well. We kind of walk through this little path of, you know, God is generous. Most of us aren't born as generous people, right? Most of us aren't naturally generous in our lives. In fact, one of the very first words most of us learn is the word mine, right? We grab things and we say, this is mine. So we're not naturally generous. But if we want to become more like God, we must grow in our generosity. And growing in these ways is an intentional process. It doesn't just happen. We must do certain things to become generous people, like God is generous. And last week, we, we looked at this passage of Scripture where Jesus is challenging his followers. And he says to them, you know, what good is it if you only love people who love you? There's, there's no good in that. Everybody does that. You can't just treat people who are going to treat you the same way with God's grace and love. You've got to treat your enemies that way. Like he's challenging us to become more generous in all ways. And he kind of wraps up this little passage by saying, uh, give and it will be given to you. Like if you give grace to others, in some way that, that same grace will come back to you. In our world today, some people like to call this karma. Jesus taught this as a principle of the Father, right? So, so give, and it will be given to you. Now, we don't give with the motives that we're going to get something. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Like this, like, I'm going to make up a decision to, to give financially so that God would give something to me. That's not the motive behind it. He's saying, give, it will be given to you. And then he says, this is a good helping squash down. This is a different kind of translation than maybe some of you read, but squash down, shaken in, overflowing. That's what will land in your lap. The ration you give to others is the ration you'll get back. Jesus is challenging us to live according to this principle of the Father. This is found in Luke chapter 6. That when we become more generous, there's this, there's this blessing that the Father will bestow upon us as well, that he'll give us as well, that we'll receive in the same way that we give. And so we kind of ended with this question, how are we being intentional? How, how am I being more intentional about growing in generosity? Because if I'm not intentional, it won't just happen. I won't wake up one day and just become a generous person. I must be intentional. I must do certain things to become generous. Now, if you're like me, uh, if you have this human nature that, that, that wants to know exactly like a number, you know, or, or you want to know, I used to raise my hand in class and say, is this going to be on the test? I just need to know. If it's not going to be on the test, I'm not going to listen to it, right? <laughs> give me a number, God. If you want me to be generous with my finances, just give me a number. And so some of us get real comfortable with this idea in the Old Testament about 10%, you know, the tithe. If I give 10%, then God will be happy with me. It's not, it's not a transactional generosity, right? It's not like you give a certain amount. No, no, God just says, give, give, and it will be given to you. Be more generous 
Don't get stuck on a certain amount. My humanness, I want the amount. Just give me the number. And, and Jesus kind of blows a, a lot of our thinking away. You know, like when, when uh, in, in the Old Testament it says that, that murder's not good. Have you ever heard that, that you shouldn't murder other people? Right? And Jesus takes that a step further. Like I can live with murder's not good. I can probably live my whole life without kill, physically killing somebody. You're like, I'm glad you're my pastor. You should <laughs> live this way. I can, I can do that. But then Jesus comes and he says, if you hate other people, right? Then that's like, that's like murder. So Jesus takes these like numbers that we want or these little specifics and he like goes far beyond. And he says, don't just try to live up to not murdering other people. I mean, that's easy. Most of us can do that. But rather, try to dig down deep into your heart, into the hatred that resides there and, and drudge it out. Get rid of the hatred within you. Give life to other people. Don't speak in ways that take life from other people. Well, the same thing's true about our generosity. It's not about certain numbers or how many, how many times do I need to give grace away? How many times do I need to forgive someone? It's like, oh, no, no, no. A thousand times a thousand. There's no number for that. Just keep giving. Just keep becoming more generous. Uh, I came across this. Uh, this quote from Scott McKnight, um, and I love this when it comes to specifics. Jesus doesn't just want your talents, and he doesn't just want your dreams, and he doesn't just want your abilities, and he, God doesn't just want your mind, and he doesn't just want your job, and he doesn't just want your grades, and he doesn't just want your boyfriend or your girlfriend, he doesn't just want your money. He doesn't just want your spouse. He doesn't just want your gifts. Look, God wants you, and he wants me. He doesn't want certain things from us. He doesn't want these specific things. He wants all of us. Why? Because he wants to change the world through us. Like, we get to be a part of this grand plan that he's been walking out in this world from the very beginning of time. This, this, this grand plan of grace and love and mercy and hope. So these, these two phrases, becoming and doing, um, as we walk into Thanksgiving, I want us to think about it in, in this way, um, that we are becoming more generous and we are doing as much good as we can, we can do in this world. We're, we're becoming more generous and we're doing as much good as we can do. Uh, I believe that, and, and, and the reason I think walking into Thanksgiving this is important is because I believe that our generosity and our good deeds are a direct result of our acknowledgement of God's goodness and grace in our lives and our gratitude for God's goodness and His grace. So let's just stop here for a second. Do you believe that God has been good to you? Now, you don't have to answer out loud, but do you believe that God has been good to you? Do you believe that God has showered his grace upon you? Not, not just financially, not just with stuff, but think about relationships. Think about your life. Think about your gifts, your abilities. Think about all of it together. And do you believe that God has been good? And if you believe that God has been good, or if you believe your life in some ways reflects some kind of goodness, do you believe it's come from God? 
Sometimes we believe that what we have is just a direct result of ourselves. But the truth is, all that we have is a direct result of God's goodness and grace. And becoming more generous and and doing good is this direct result of gratitude, of acknowledging what God's done for us. Uh, I want to look at one scripture today. And I want to encourage you maybe to, to go look at this later this week as well. Um, it's, it's found in the book of, uh, it's a letter in the New Testament called Galatians. And it's this very interesting uh, passage and letter that Paul writes to a group of Christians. And he's writing to this group of Christians who have decided to follow Jesus, and they've given their whole selves to him. And then all of a sudden, other people have started to come into their, their gatherings and tell them, no, 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 you can't rely just upon God's grace. There are some other things you must do. So they're getting like specific, like you must do these certain things. And you can go read later about what those certain things are. Um, for men, some of these certain things we wouldn't want to do as grown men. You can go read later and you'll find out what that is. But um, am I blushing? Anyway, so, so there's been these people who've come in and said, you know what, God's grace isn't enough. You've got to do some other things. And then you'll be enough for God. And so Paul is like chopping away at this understanding that it's not about, it's, it's not about things that you have to do to make God happy. Now, there are some things that you must do as a result of what God's done, but it's not about doing those things to get anything from God. It's just a reflection of his grace and mercy. So this is, this is how Paul writes to this, this group of, of Christians. For you have been called to live in freedom. That should get an amen. Amen. You have been called to live in freedom. Aren't you thankful for that? You've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. I'm sure Paul spoke like that. And he says, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. See, we, we find ourselves wanting to know specifics, right? What, like, what's the number, what's the amount, what's the whatever you want to fill in the blank? How many times do I have to go to church? How many passages of Scripture? How much time in my devotions in the morning? How many times do I need to pray? Give me the numbers. I can live up to a list. And Paul says, no, no, no. You've, you've been given freedom from all that. But don't use your freedom just to satisfy your own sinful desires. And, and you might read into that little, that, that sinful nature you, you might read into that selfish desires. Don't use your freedom to just fulfill your own selfish desires in life. Don't just go around doing whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. Instead, use your freedom, leverage your freedom to serve one another in love. Use your time, use your resources, use your talents, use your gifts to serve other people in love. And then Paul says this. Um, one thing I love about Jesus is he t- takes the entire Old Testament and he says it's summed up in two things, right? Love God and love other people, right? Well, Paul, like, he boils it down even further. He says the entire law can be summed up in one command. Like he's one-upping Jesus here. <laughs> one command, here it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's almost like the, the, the measurement 
the specific that we want to know, it's love. Well, how do you measure love? Well, you can't, can you? That's the beauty of being and doing. You can't measure it. It's this growing tension in life. The whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says this, so let us not grow tired of doing good. At just the right time, here it is again, this this principle of, of God's blessing and his goodness. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up, if we don't stop doing what is good. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. And then he throws in, especially those in the family of faith, right? Because those are the people that you're in community with. Anytime you see a need, you should meet it if you have the ability to meet that need, especially within your family of faith. You should be generous. You should do good at any opportunity. And if you do this, you will reap a harvest of blessing. Just for a couple minutes, I want to give you some glimpses of ways that we are trying to grow in our generosity and in our good deeds as a community. And we can't do this as individuals by ourselves. It's something that we do corporately, together. There's this ministry called Teach One to Lead One. And it's an incredible ministry. It's, it's, it's in the local schools in Maricopa County. And this year, uh, there's been a goal to reach 400 at-risk kids in our local schools. And the idea is to partner with teachers, administrators, and then people like us, mentors, who come into the schools and simply sit with students and walk with them, to at times teach them, to at times listen. And it's this unbelievable picture of love. Um, you, would, you would say, well, where are all the at-risk kids in Maricopa County? You would think maybe they're somewhere over there, wherever over there is. But we have students in Desert Mountain. We have students in the middle school here. We have students at Suoro. There's students at Horizon. We've got students in all these different schools that have in some ways been, been seen as some at-risk kids, and we just simply need mentors to walk with them. Richard Doe, um, who's the son of the founding pastor of this church, started this chapter of Teach One to Lead One. He's an incredible leader, and we are partnering with them to do good. Um, we're also being as generous as we can with them. Every time that you give to this, this church financially, we, we give money away to, to, to ministry partners, and this is one of the ministry partners we fund because we want to be a part of doing good in our own community. Just one. Teach one to lead one. Incredible ministry. Uh, another ministry, you mom. Uh, We've talked from time to time about UMOM. UMOM is the largest shelter for families in all of Arizona. You know how many families they they house every night? 170-plus homeless families. These are families with kids. And we partner with them. We go down. You can see on your worship card today, um, there's an opportunity to go down and, and prepare and serve a meal to families in that shelter this month. December the 7th. This is about doing good as a community. It's about doing some things together that we can't do 
individually on our own. We also give financially to you, Mom. We want to be generous with someone who's doing some incredible things in our community. Now, why do we pick these? Um, Jesus said that at the end of time, when we're all standing before him, um, and he says, well done to certain people, and they say, why, why, why did we do things? You know, I never, I never saw you, Jesus. Why do you say that we did things well? And he said, when, when, when I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I didn't have a place to stay, you gave me a place to stay. He like walks through these different things. Like, that's what we want to do. The specific things that he talks about, we want to find organizations that are already doing that, and we want to be generous and do good alongside them. Manor House is a transitional house um, for veterans in our community. Many times, some of you know this very well, when veterans come back, they are marginalized and forgotten by our communities. And Manor House is one that walks with them through transitional times in their lives, and we want to partner with them. You'll see that in your, on your worship card, ways to serve with the Manor House. So those are some things that we do in our community as we're trying to grow in these ways. But we also try to do some things globally. Um, two huge global crises that oftentimes we, we hear about. Uh, one of the biggest right now is the refugee crisis in our world. Have you ever seen um, or heard about the refugee crisis? And I don't want to talk about immigration and all that kind of stuff right now because half of you will leave and half of you will cheer. I don't know which ones you are. So have you ever seen the refugee crisis on TV and you've wondered, what can I do? Like, there's an, I can't do anything about the refugee crisis. That's over there. That, that's, you know, so disconnected from us. Did, did you know that we partner with one of the leading organizations helping refugees in the Middle East? In Lebanon, Heart for Lebanon. Uh, Heart for Lebanon is, is receiving more refugees uh, they're they're in right there in, in in Lebanon, and they're receiving all these refugees from both Iraq and Syria that are displaced by war and by re- religious persecution. And Heart for Lebanon, um, Camille Melki is the is the principal there. He started this in I think 2008, and it's an unbelievable ministry. I want to give you just a picture. What they're doing is they're starting these hope centers uh, around uh, their. Their country. They're building one right now in the Bekaa Valley, which is this gorgeous region of, of Lebanon, and they're receiving all these refugees, and their plan is to invest in the next generation by educating them and assimilating them into their country, which is unbelievable. So as we build this youth center on the other side of our building, do you guys know we're building something back here? <laughs> as we build this, do you know that we're also financially giving to build a ministry center in Lebanon to, to meet the needs of refugees who are coming across the border every single day. That's what we should be doing as a, as a generous church. Not just spending everything on ourselves, but investing as much as we can because God invests as much as he can. Check out this video of what Heart for Lebanon's doing. One of the best ways that we see at Heart for Lebanon in moving people from despair to hope is through education. At our hope centers, when a child comes to our hope center, our goal is to show love to them. 
it's not only about proper education, it's more about God. And we give time to these kids and we play with them, we, we teach them, we help them to, to understand more about what is the purpose of their life. We have this strong relationship with the family, which allow us to be with them when they are sad and to be with them when they are happy. I want to thank God for the teachers that are here because they really show them that love. The parents see it. I mean, we have almost like a counseling center now. The parents come here and they want to pray with us. They, they come and cry. They've never experienced, the ladies, the, the mothers, they've never experienced such joy. We're battling street life versus school because once they're not here, they're on the street. We end up sometimes staying till eight here just to keep them off the street because we know that they are in a good environment. When I look at this generation, when I look at these kids, I look at them as uh, the future leaders. So my dream is creating a new generation, understand about uh, forgiveness, about sharing, about caring, uh, trying to open up a little bit for others, to accept others and reach out for others. We are able, by His grace, to put smiles on their faces, to see them smiling, laughing, and uh, opening their eyes uh, to a new hope, a new future. That's made me get out every day from that, just to be able to make a difference in their life. That's made me get up every day and come. The kids enter the school and they don't want to leave because of the love that they've never experienced before. This is it. This is the bottom line. They've never experienced this love before. Every year, I am more confident that through kids, you can change generations. This is a generation that will make a difference in the future. Now, yeah. Now, most of us will never know what it's like to be displaced from our home and lose everything we have and have to move to another country where we might not know the language, we definitely don't know the people. Heart for Lebanon is on the front lines. And I'm so thankful that when I see on TV these comments and these stories about refugees and not having anywhere to go, I am so thankful that we're a church who's doing good and being generous with an organization like that, aren't you? That's us. That we get to be a part of that as a church, which I'm so thankful for. There's another organization. Uh, this is the last one, and we'll kind of wrap it up before we celebrate baptisms, which is going to be awesome. Um, <laughs> the other crisis in our world that sometimes we hear a lot about is the water crisis. Millions of people die every year because they don't have access to clean drinking water. And it's something we take for granted, right? We just turn on the spigot or we turn on the, the faucet in our bathrooms and we have water that we can drink. Um, in, in developing nations, there's women and children who are walking miles upon miles, drawing water from contaminated sources only to bring it back and contaminate their communities. And people are dying. And there's an organization called Water for... Um, a friend of mine, uh, Dick Greenlee, uh, he, from, from, from Oklahoma, he, um, he owned this like, company that built products for pumps, oil pumps in Oklahoma. 
And uh, he said, can't I take this and do something good with it? I mean, we're making a lot of money, but wouldn't it be good to like do good with this? And uh, so he developed, he, he had a friend, and they developed uh, a new water pump. They created this water pump that they could use in places like Africa. And they decided, and this so matches McDowell culture, they decided they didn't want to just be these people who like flew into to different regions and, and dug some wells and provided water and then flew back out only to be called when they need to come back and fix the well that they put in. So what they decided was they wanted to develop a way to, to, to find leaders within communities, to train them how to dig their own wells. These leaders in the community would dig wells for their communities and then create a business which would provide income and change the culture of that community. They could go out and help others with this same business. And not a business that's like crazy, like nobody can do it, but a business that these men can do. They can fix their own wells. It's, it's unbelievable what they're doing. They've been asked by one country so far in Africa to be the primary water source of that country. Water for located here in the United States. They're the water source of this entire country now in Africa. And they're helping people learn how to draw water from the ground, clean drinking water. I want to give you a glimpse of what happens when a community gets water for the first time. People who have been walking miles to get contaminated water. What happens when they get clean drinking water? Check this out. I mean, come on. Don't you want to be a part of that? That's real joy. So um, a few years ago, some, some incredibly generous people in this church put some money into a fund. And um, we get the opportunity um, this next month to put a well in a community and be a part of that. McDowell, because of your generosity, because of what you've done, we, we're doing this in December um, for a community in Uganda, which is incredibly exciting for me. Yeah, yeah. So, why do we do this? Is it about feeling good about ourselves? Is it No. It's about following Jesus and doing everything we can to become like Him. It's about pursuing Him, pursuing His love and His grace and His mercy, and as we receive that, allowing it to overflow on other people. That is what it means to be a community following Jesus. That's who we are. We're becoming more generous, and we're doing good. And so here's my challenge for you. If you want a specific challenge, what do you do with this? I want to encourage you, if, if, if you're a follower of Jesus and you call this your home church, I want to encourage you simply to be McDowell. Be the church. The church is not these walls. You are the church. I am the church. So I want to challenge you to be McDowell. I want, I want to challenge you to partner here I want to challenge you to partner here missionally 
to, to be a part of these things like you, mom, teach one to lead one, the manna house, other things that we don't even know about that are happening all around us. I, I want to encourage you to partner with us missionally. I want to encourage you to partner with us financially. If, if God has blessed you financially, I want to encourage you to get in the game here at McDowell. Give financially here at McDowell. You can do that on the app. You can do it online. You can drop it in the boxes. We don't pass plates around here. We don't want to put any pressure on anyone. But if God has blessed you and you are becoming more generous, give. Give back and partner here. And then we're growing in this generosity here, near, and far. And then I want to encourage you to be generous and do good wherever you go. Because McDowell isn't just McDowell when we gather together in this place, that we scatter And as we scatter, we need to be generous. We need to expand and extend God's kingdom in every place that we find ourselves. And we do it because we believe the love of God transforms people. And now we get to celebrate that together. We get to celebrate baptism, which is one of the biggest deals we ever do as a church. So I'm going to show you the video. And as soon as the video is done, you're going to hear these stories of people's lives who have been changed. We're going to go out to the back grass in this beautiful setting that God has given us here in the McDowell Mountains, and we're going to baptize some people. And when we baptize, we celebrate. So there's no golf claps allowed. (laughs) There's no nodding in approval. They're celebrating the new life that is found in God. Father God, we thank you for extending your love, your generosity, your goodness, your grace, your mercy to all of us. And God, we want to become the same kind of people that Jesus was. We want to be generous. We want to do good. And God, we want to do that so that you can transform lives, so that your love and your grace may be known to as many people as possible. So God, as we listen to these stories, we are reminded of your grace. We're reminded of what Jesus Christ did for us. We're reminded that because of Christ, the old is gone and the new has come for each one of us. God, I pray that we would live in that, that we would stand on that, that we would continue to pursue Jesus in everything that we do and everything that we say. God, thank you for these lives that have been transformed in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Christina. My name is Christina, and today I'm going public in my faith with Jesus. My name is Jeannie, and today I'm going public with my faith in Jesus. My name is Sam, and today I'm going public with my faith in Jesus. I'm being baptized today because I've seen my faith grow a lot in the past few months and I've just felt like I needed to take it a step further and I've thought about being baptized a lot in the past few years and I'm finally going to go through with it. I'm being baptized because I've been wanting to be baptized for a long time, probably since I was 14 years old, Um, and I felt like you know, God kept telling me every time there would be a baptism at the church, I felt like God kept telling me, you know, you're not ready yet. Just wait. I will let you know when you're ready. And, you know, this past year, past couple of years when I, you know, started to go into the gathering and started to do youth group and young adult groups, I started to create a better relationship with God. And, you know, uh, I just woke up one day and I just realized, you know, I really just wanted to be baptized. Um, to be baptized, to be right coming out of that water, it means to just take a step forward in following Jesus and 
it means to love him a, a lot more. So I was brought up um, young in another religion and um, kind of departed from that as I was growing into my teenage years and 20s. And um, I met a wonderful man and he turned me to Christ. His name's Chris Widener. I'm being baptized today because I've decided to surrender it all to Jesus. This was, um, I felt in my heart that this was the next step for me in my walk with Christ, and um, I've made that decision. I would like to be baptized because I want to devote my life to God as a Christian. To follow Jesus, it means that I'd like to shape my life so that I follow his path of what he did. My name is Danny Dole, and today I'm going public with my faith in Jesus. My name is Sarah, and today I'm going public with my faith in Jesus. My name is Kenzie, and today I'm going public with my faith.